You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on the sixth Sunday of Easter, May 26th, 2019. A reading from the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, this is, of course, Memorial Day weekend, and Memorial Day is a day to help us deal with death. Specifically, it's to help us deal with the deaths of those who have given up their lives while serving our country and the armed forces. One of the really hard realities of having a military, of participating in war, even if it's for good reasons, is that lives are lost. War is a struggle for power between nations. And even this year, there have been hundreds of casualties in our military. And they've left behind wives and husbands and children and parents and friends. I was driving down the street this week, and of course, everybody's getting ready for Memorial Day. And so people are setting out flags, and we're seeing all kinds of of decorations of patriotism, which are all good. But one sign I saw in front of a a business, they have a a lighted up sign like we do out here, 
they put a picture of a boy receiving a triangle flag from a soldier. And of course, we all know what that means. It means that that boy lost his father or his mother. And that's the hard reality of life in the military. Thank God most of our military is safe most of the time. But each year, some lives are lost. And so this weekend, we remember all of those who have given their lives in the service of our country. And we give thanks to God for those who have died to preserve our freedom. And we give thanks to their families that they've left behind for the sacrifices that they've made. But our reading from Revelation today gives us hope. It gives us hope in all kinds of ways, but particularly in relation to Memorial Day, it gives us hope that this is not the way it's always going to be. When we look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 24, it says this, The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. This is an image of peace, an image of harmony. If we ever get nations together today, which we do from from time to time, it's never all of the nations, sometimes the United Nations, but it's not the, the kings and the presidents of all those nations. Anytime you get kings and presidents together, you have to follow very careful protocol. You have to get everybody to sit in just the right place. You have to make sure that just the right person enters the room before the other people. There's a pecking order, and you have to preserve all of that because every little piece of everything you do sends a message of either respect or disrespect. And there's always tension in the room when that happens. So it's usually hard to get more than two nations in the room at one time for some kind of a state dinner. Can you imagine all the nations of the UN coming together for a state dinner with all of their leaders? It just wouldn't happen. Why? Because there's struggle between nations. Each nation seeks after its own power, seeks after its own agenda, and sometimes those agendas come in conflict with one another, and that's what leads to war. There's a a leadership saying that when people don't have a common vision, instead of moving towards a common goal, they aim at each other and start firing at each other instead. And this is the way it is with the nations of the world. We don't have a united vision. Every nation has their own vision. Every king has their own aspirations. And so because there's no united vision across the whole of the world, what we have is nations aiming at each other. But here's what happens in the end. In the end, it says that the Lamb is the light, that the glory of God is the light, and that by its light, all the nations will walk. And what we see there is a vision of unity among nations because they're no longer seeking after their own agendas, no longer seeking after their own power, but they're all seeking the glory of God together. And so kings go in and out of this city with no concern for their own respect, their own glory, because their glory is to cast their crowns, their glory before the king of kings and the lord of lords. And then it goes on to say something pretty amazing. The gates of this city, the new Jerusalem, 
will never be shut by day and there will be no night there, which by default means the gates will never be shut. Now, can I ask, what are gates for? To keep people out. That's why we have gates, to keep people out. And who do we want to keep out? The people who are going to hurt us. The people who are going to harm us. But here's the thing, here's the reality about this coming recreation, is that there's no longer a need for any defense, because the enemy has already been defeated. And so the kings come and go freely, and the gates are never shut, because there's no need to keep anyone out. The enemy has been put down forever. But it's not only war that will come to to an end. As I was sharing with the children before, here are some other things that will come to an end. God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. That's amazing, isn't it? That's beautiful. Isn't that where you want to be? That's where I want to be. All the things which make this life on earth so hard sometimes, and even times painful, all of them are going to melt away. And God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Just like the most caring of parents wiping away the tears on their children's eyes. So it will be with God. And he will wipe them away, not once to be repeated again, but forever. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. One of the great surprises at the end of the book of Revelation is that the people don't go up to heaven like we commonly expect. But rather, what we see is heaven and earth both recreated. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new in verse 5. And the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, uniting heaven and earth. When we look in the book of Ephesians, there's an interesting passage that talks about uh, the purpose of Jesus, what Jesus' mission is, what he was trying to accomplish, what he's still trying to accomplish. And it says this in the first chapter, verses 9 and 10. God is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So Jesus is the connecting point for this this connection, this unification of heaven and earth. And the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven is the point of connection. And this is a city like no city you've ever seen. I've seen the, the, the Jerusalem today, but it's nothing like the new Jerusalem that's coming. The new Jerusalem is 1,500 miles long, and it's 1,500 miles wide. And here's the really amazing thing. It's also 1,500 miles tall. Have you ever seen a city like that? No. And in the middle of this city is God himself dwelling there. And it says there's no temple in this city like there is or there was in Jerusalem. Now there's the Dome of the Rock on top of where the temple used to stand. But there's no temple in this new Jerusalem. Why? Because it says God himself is the temple. 
Or rather, you might think of the entirety of the city as the temple. It's kind of shaped like the temple, but much, much bigger. And just like the purpose of the temple on earth was to be a place where heaven and earth meet because it was God's dwelling place, so also this new Jerusalem is that place where heaven and earth meet and are finally united. There's no more a separation between heaven and earth. And God himself will be there dwelling with his people again, just as it was in the beginning when God made everything good. Now God is going to recreate everything good, renewing the whole of creation, not just renewing earth, but renewing heaven as well. Praise God. So how do we get there? Well, grace, of course. Grace is God's free gift to us. And when we go back to Ephesians, in that same passage, just two verses earlier, it says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Grace is a free gift, unearned and undeserved. There's no way that we can make ourselves good enough for God. But God is good enough for all of us, and he pours his righteousness out upon us. And the blood of his son Jesus, which was shed on the cross, washes away our sins, and they are remembered no more. So God's grace is what brings us into reconciliation with God, into fellowship with God once again. But after grace comes obedience. It's not like we have Jesus come into our lives and then all of a sudden we can just sin all over the place and it's all covered by the blood of Jesus. It is covered by the blood of Jesus, but Jesus wants us to walk in obedience. He wants us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, as John the Baptist said. And what Jesus says in the gospel today is this. Gospel, John, gospel of John chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And at the very beginning of this section, it says in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus asks us to walk in obedience with him. He asks us to conform our lives to the pattern that he set up for us. And he does this because he loves us, and he knows that the things that he set up for us are the best way that we can live our lives. It's not meant to be burdensome. In fact, he says in another place, my commandments are not burdensome. They're supposed to be life-giving. They're the best way to live our lives. But I think this brings up a question. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Does that mean if that if we sin, we don't love God? Have any of us here eradicated every sin from our lives? Or are we all still kind of walking towards that obedience? We're all still kind of walking towards that obedience. None of us has reached perfection yet. In fact, we're all far from it. All far from it, including myself. I think what Jesus is talking about here is not so much these sins that, that happen upon us from time to time, the ways that we give into temptation. I think it has more to do with willful, persistent disobedience. 
Because when we sin, we can always turn to Jesus, we can always confess our sins, and we can always rest on his mercy. His grace never runs out for us. We can always come back to him in repentance and say, Lord, I messed up, please forgive me. And he'll always welcome us back, and he will always cleanse us with his blood. But sometimes we find ourselves trapped in habitual sin. And even here, we don't desire to do the things that we continue to do. And we do our best to struggle against this temptation, but sometimes it just gets the best of us. Even St. Paul himself, who wrote so many of the letters in the New Testament, he said in the book of Romans, I do not do the thing I want to do, but the very thing I do is the thing that I hate. This is St. Paul, the guy who wrote so much of the Bible. He's, he's not always walking in obedience to Jesus. He's giving in to sin from time to time. In fact, it seems from that phrase even more than some of the time. The struggle against sin shows that we are desiring, trying to obey, we're just failing. And we can continue in these circumstances to pray for God's strength and for his mercy and for his deliverance. And he will be faithful to come and find us in those places. We always just turn back to him, always continue to to try to walk in obedience. Now, on the other hand, when we say, I don't care what Jesus says, I'm going to do what I want to do, then we're in a dangerous place. Then we're no longer even trying to follow his commandments, even if we fail sometimes. When we say that, we're not trying at all. We've given up on trying to, to walk in obedience. We're going to put ourselves in the place of deciding what's right and what's wrong. We're going to put ourselves in God's place. And that's where we've made ourselves into idols. Judith McNutt, who uh, is the executive director of Christian Healing Ministries in Jacksonville, um, wrote in their monthly news, or I think it's a quarterly newsletter, but the most recent edition, uh, she wrote this. She says, the Bible says, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, my experience is that very few people sin intentionally once they're in the kingdom of God. Most of us want to be above reproach. We want to obey the Father. We want to walk in holiness, to grow and be transformed. What I am referring to is willful, rebellious, habitual sin. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you see the difference there? Sometimes we get stuck in patterns of sin and we just can't free ourselves from it. It's like an addiction and we need God's grace to help us. But that's, that's not the willful disobedience that Jesus is talking about. What we're talking about is turning our backs on God and saying, I don't care what you think, God. I'm going to do it my way. In Revelation, we see that those who willfully disobey disobey God have no place in the New Jerusalem. We didn't read this verse today, but I'm going to read it to you now. It says, verse 8, chapter 21, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Fire and sulfur? Second death? That sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? What's that all about? These are people who have chosen to do what we just talked about, have chosen to turn their backs on God and say, I don't want to do what you tell me to do. I want to do it my own way. 
And all of these people, if they've committed these sins once, but they turn to God and say, I was wrong, please forgive me, God would accept every one of them. But these are people who have hardened their hearts to God, who have said, I don't want anything to do with you, God. I want to do it my way. And there's no place for them in this new Jerusalem. If that seems harsh, listen to these words from N.T. Wright, who's an Anglican bishop as well as a, a biblical scholar. He says, John is careful to add the warning that this inclusivity specifically does not stretch to those who practice abomination and tell lies. This is necessary for the same reason that one does not allow smoking in a library or the playing of radios in a concert hall. That which ruins the beauty and holiness of God's new city is ruled out by definition. Now, what would happen if you were smoking in a library? The books would catch fire and the library would be burned up and destroyed. It would defeat the purpose of a library, right? Okay? And what would happen if you played a radio in a concert hall? Imagine a, a nice, beautiful, quiet piece from, you know, Mozart or Beethoven, and you're, you're blaring some rock and roll on your boombox. Is that going to go well? No, because it destroys the experience for everybody else. And similarly, what we just talked about is that in this place, in this new Jerusalem, God is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. For those former things to pass away, it means they can't exist in this new Jerusalem, in this recreation. God is remaking the creation, not because he made it badly in the first place, but because the creation was marred by these kinds of sin by the presence of any sin whatsoever. And so the new creation is beautiful because God is there and God makes it beautiful and God is beautiful because he's holy and he invites us into his holiness. And so there's a choice to make. It's our choice. We either choose life with God from whom comes beauty and peace or we choose life without God which is also by definition life without beauty or peace. But it's not intended as a harsh punishment. It's just the natural result of choosing to not follow God who gives us beauty and peace. But here's the thing. We're not just waiting for this to happen sometime off in the future. It will happen sometime off in the future. And this new Jerusalem coming down from happen, that will happen at the, the end of all time or actually the, really the beginning of all eternity because time is going to continue going on into the future, but there will be a definite moment when all this happens. But until that time, and since the time that Jesus himself came here on earth, God's kingdom is already breaking into his creation. God is already beginning to renew the face of his creation. God's kingdom is already breaking into this world. As Christians, God already dwells in us, and we carry him wherever we go. Remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Did you hear that promise? We will come to him and make our home in him. And that promise is fulfilled by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we become Christians, when we choose to follow God, when we put our life in his hands, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He dwells inside of us. And so each one of us, wherever we go, carries God with us. 
We are God's representatives in this world. And because the hard realities of this life are the result of sin in the world, when we choose to obey Jesus and to defeat sin, we are making the world a little bit more like the renewed creation that we see in the book of Revelation, in the New Jerusalem. This is part of what we pray for every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we gather this weekend over burgers and hot dogs, or maybe steaks, I like steaks. Let us give thanks for the sacrifice of soldiers who have fought for our freedom. And let us give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus, who has won for us everlasting freedom. And in the words of St. Paul, let us all press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that through him and through his blood, you are renewing the face of your whole creation, and that there will be a time in the future when this renewal comes to its culmination, and you entirely recreate both heaven and earth, and on heaven and earth, and unite heaven and earth in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the glimpse of glory that you've given us through the Apostle John in these words from Revelation. We thank you for the hope that you've given us in the future. And so we pray that you would help each one of us to be a part of your hope for the world right now. We pray, Lord, that you would help to break the strongholds of sin in our lives, that you'd defeat the power of the enemy in our lives, and that you'd help us to walk in the love of you, walking in your holiness and your commandments. And we thank you that your commandments are good and not burdensome and that you love us and you desire the best for us. Thank you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, Please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.